And welcome to another episode of the Sartorial and Geek Podcast by Webster Style, where we talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. I'm your host, Webster Style, the man, the voice, the fragrance, and of course, let's jump right into it with the download. Now, a few years ago, a little game known as Rocket League came out, and it maybe not took the video game world by storm. But it became a phenomenon unto itself and it ended up switching to a free-to-play model and it's played across systems, across platforms, and basically it is soccer with cars. Best way to describe it. So it seems like it's taken a while for someone to mimic that formula, but now Half Calf Studios has released, at least with game in game preview via steam and xbox game pass they have released turbo golf racing now turbo golf racing is an arcade style sports racing game for up to eight players online slam into oversized golf balls and race your friends in an explosive dash to the finish line so essentially it's rocket league but instead of soccer it's golf and it's interesting to play it's not as polished as i would have hoped since it's a game preview it's a little janky here there but overall it's fun i think that this is a game that really i hope when it comes out a game preview it does have online or i should say couch local multiplayer i enjoy the online play and the games and courses are pretty unique and fun the handling can be a bit tricky at times but i found that to be the same with rocket league as well if you're driving around a quote-unquote little rc style car and banging into a big ball it's going to take some coordination and finesse to really get the hang of it and also learning these courses as well it's not a straightforward sort of setup with these courses so it can be very fun and frustrating at the same time. But if you are on Game Pass, definitely download this game. I think that is one that you can have a lot of fun with. Again, it's a good, quick uh, release, if I want to say it that way. Or diversion from the day is not something that you're going to sink a whole lot of time in. But it is a good get in and get out game. And also, it's one that I can see really having a lot of fun playing it and perfecting your style of gameplay. So that is is my download for the week turbo golf racing that's going to be found on the xbox series platforms as well as pc now the spotlight section is usually one that i use to show my appreciation and admiration to creators around the digital space and even those that i have uh, have touched me in my own personal life but i don't usually use the spotlight for the rip section but this one is a bit different. Last week, we we as a whole, but obviously the family of one Miss Nichelle Nichols, we lost her this week. And if you don't know who Nichelle Nichols is, you may be listening to the podcast, wrong podcast. Uh, but Nichelle Nichols played Lieutenant Uhura in the Star Trek series, original Star Trek series, as well as all of the movies featuring the original cast. She's, she also turned up in... Uh, fan films over the years as well as voicing Uhura on the animated series back in the 70s and it's it's interesting because growing up in the 80s you don't really understand the impact that characters and TV had back then and while this is always talked about it is 
rung forth in my head over the past few days since we're passing how far we have come since Plato's Stepchildren. And if you're not familiar, Plato's Stepchildren is the episode of the original series where Kirk and Uhura kiss, which became the first interracial kiss on American television. And I think now to the latitude of depictions of love and sexuality that we have on television, and that was what, 54 years ago, 56 years ago, something to that extent. It's amazing that how far we've come since then, that was one of the key moments in our media history that started to kick that gate down. And looking at Star Trek today is interesting. Going back and watching the original series now in more of a critical lens that I have now in my 40s, especially with doing this podcast and all the other things that I'm involved in. I look at it at a different lens now than I did in my 30s and my 20s and definitely in my teens. But in my teens is when I read a book called, and I believe it was Star Trek Memories. I am not entirely sure what the book was called and in this book it recounted the now famous story of dr martin luther king jr convincing michelle nichols not to leave the show after the first season and how much of an impact she had to show that black people would be a part of the future it's weird because that is not a concept I would have thought would have been important, especially in my younger days, because I grew up in the 80s. I grew up seeing while the representation wasn't what it is today in many respects, I grew up seeing people of all types on television and really not think of it like next generation and and understanding how much LeVar Burton's Joy of the Forge impacted me personally. I understood the impact that Nichelle Nichols had on someone like my mom growing up. Because my mom was only, what, eight when the original Star Trek debuted. So her watching this as a child, seeing Uhura, a black woman like her, on the screen in this position of authority, I understand and understood. And even though my mom always talks about Shatner's Kirk and, and, and everything and, and fawning over him at that period of time, I understand the sort of impact that had on a young girl and what fueled her love of sci-fi but also showed her that she can do anything and be anything and that is something as a, as a child that was lost on me because that's something I couldn't comprehend that impact and Nichelle Nichols had that impact on so many little girls of color period not just my mom's generation but my generation the generation after me the number of women that have said they have gone into science and math and technology or acting or have a love of sci-fi because of seeing Nichelle Nichols as Uhura over the years is nothing less than inspiring and the impact that she has made on this world and it's it's interesting because you you don't think about how much one person's impact is from a you know sci-fi tv show from the 60s but star trek is just one of those shows that broke boundaries that we we can't even comprehend today and then shell nichols which was a large part of that happening it is it is sad to know that she has left us but no not sad because 
went out, it's your time, it's your time. It's sad for her family and the grief and the loss that they're experiencing. But we have her body of work to go back to. We have an understanding of the history and the impact of what she did and who she was as being an ambassador for NASA for so many years, for being such a steward of Star Trek and what it represented and still does to this day. There is and there will be no one like Michelle Nichols. And I am, I never met her, never got the chance to personally in all my convention endeavors, but have always heard the best stories about her from friends who have. And I called my mom when I found out she passed. And it was some hours later because I, I thought to call her because I had uh, talked to my spouse and I was just processing because I'm, I'm not heartbroken per se, but I knew I had to call my mom to let her know because I know she didn't know. And while she wasn't in a place where she could really process what I had told her, she was shocked and sad because that was, was one of her heroes. Michelle Nichols is someone who will live on in all of our hearts whenever we see Star Trek, regardless of whom is playing Uhura. And not to take away from any of those actresses because they do an amazing job of playing Uhura. But we will always think of her when we see their character on screen. Not many people can say that character that they portrayed is not just transcended media but is also inspired and galvanized men and women alike to excel and to move forward to the future and then Nichelle Nichols is one person that we can definitely say that about rest in peace Miss Nichols you've inspired all of us and we thank you let's get back on a lighter note let's go with the short takes now Netflix has released the teaser trailer for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio it is it looks to be a stop motion animation toward the force I have to say Pinocchio is one of those stories that you know we all know of Pinocchio and the boy little wooden boy who could not tell a lie I am already in love with this adaptation it looks totally different from any other adaptation of Pinocchio that I've seen before except except for that oh and I forget the gentleman's name um uh Roberto Benini I think his name is uh he won the Oscar Best Actor Oscar for Life is Good so many years ago. He's the best actor, best director, Italian guy. He did a live action Pinocchio a few years ago and it was, well, it was critically panned. I never watched it. I never wanted to see some grown man in his 40s playing Pinocchio, but that's a whole nother story. But this looks absolutely amazing. It has a stellar voice cast, but it just looks gorgeous. It looks just from the trailer to have so much heart and soul and one of the things that i was i questioned when we did the reaction to the live action version of the disney pinocchio which is coming out soon if i remember correctly it's i was worried about those darker elements of the original pinocchio how would they be explored will they be explored because disney is very good with sanitizing their uh, stories when it comes to the live action versions recently and just in general i know we are not in the same era as far as what passed in a animated feature for quote-unquote children as we were in the 50s but i'm concerned about that with disney i'm not concerned about that with Guillermo del Toro's Netflix Pinocchio 
because we know that he can do dark as good as anybody can even as something as the shape of water was not a family film but it was one that it got dark in places you didn't expect it to in order to advance the story and i feel as though that this movie will definitely utilize those darker elements of pinocchio to really tell in advance the story so i'm definitely looking forward to that that's unfortunately not coming out until december ish christmas time so it'll be more than likely one of those movies that netflix really puts a big push behind during the holiday season all right so now i'm getting back into my star wars hat again i've recently started watching obi-wan and i'll talk about that a little bit later but i was absolutely blown away by the latest trailer for andor one of if not the best star wars movie that has come out of disney was and is rogue one and that was just an excellent star wars movie and when they said that they were doing an andor prequel series to rogue one we're like i was like uh, i don't know um i wasn't too sure first trailer drop second trailer drop third trailer drop i'm like oh my god this looks amazing oh my god the trailer looks so good and the fact that they are dropping a three episode premiere now, i don't know how many episodes there are in this series but all of the old players from rogue one are in this i am oh man i'm excited i am very excited i think i'm probably even more excited because of my viewing of obi-wan kenobi which again i'll get to a little bit later in the show i am really impressed with what i've seen in the trailer of andor it it's so weird and i hate to say it looks like star wars but it looks like star wars it's it's weird to say that and no sliding to the uh, last trilogy that Clint came out it's just it's something about the way that they're doing these shows that it feels so much like what I know Star Wars to be and it's not because it's set in that time period of uh, Return of the Jedi and, and, and the original trilogy it's not set either before or after that like Obi-Wan is or Andor is or the Mandalorian for that matter there is something about how they're recreating that visual style and feeling on the small screen that evokes so much more of that feeling of Star Wars than the last trilogy did, in my opinion. It, there is there's a grittiness there that translates on a small screen that is totally in the antithesis of the polish of the larger of the the newer trilogy i don't know what it is about i can't quite put my finger on it but andor looks amazing i cannot wait and it's definitely one i will be watching as soon as it drops on september 21st and then we have the news that the cw and at the time of this recording there's a whole lot of shit going on warner brothers discovery from batgirl being canceled to the school movie the new school there's a whole lot so we have seen this coming for a long time with the flash especially since they canceled batgirl they excuse me batwoman they uh canceled legends of tomorrow we knew the flash wasn't long especially considering lois and clark is 
has been officially not part of the Arrowverse anymore as a separate whatever. Okay. But they've announced they've canceled The Flash. Uh, next season, ninth season, will be a its last with a 13-episode short season. Flash went on far too long. I cannot remember the last time I watched the episode of The Flash. I don't think I've watched or cared about The Flash since the Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline that it did. And it's been, what, three couple years now but even before then i didn't watch the flash uh it became too recycled for me every season there's some speedster or, or something it, it got boring and then not to slight grant gunston i loved him as a flash i love the cast it's just story-wise it got on my damn nerves after about season three so it's sad to say it's it's long well past its expiration date but it's sad because the Arrowverse is now done it is dead a universe that literally propped up a network is now dead and that network is on the chopping block to be sold uh it's sad when we think about it that way but as as fans we got a whole lot of good comic tv out of Arrowverse. uh arrow really took his time to find a stride but it really got to be a really good show black lightning was done dirty with that last season and then cut so short legends i know there are a lot of legends fans out there after the first season i could care less about legends and then the flash was good it's it's sad to see the arrowverse done but you know what everything in due course and it got nine seasons nine seasons there are very few television shows period that can say they were on the air for nine seasons so this is not a flash it took you too long to die this is a flash congratulations for nine seasons of just pure insanity pure comic bookness regardless if you watched it or not to have those shows of characters that we love last so long really shows an enduring fan base and love for the character that exhibited not just by the main viewers but by fandom in general so kudos to the cast and crew of the flash and i'm sure i will see all of you in other things very soon now let's keep with the theme of warner brothers in dc comics and let's look at some actual comic books so i have talked about duo one and two previously extending from that milestone universe in dc's earth m line so now i have issue three and let me tell you i am in love with this series it is one that again has shades of the original milestone property zombie with the whole nanotechnology aspect as well as this isn't getting so much into the weird and supernatural of things um it very keeps with the superheroes and let me back up for a second so duo is written by greg pock pencils by Corey fam inks by scott Hanna, colors by chris sotomayor and letters by janice chang now in this story Kelly is still trapped inside of David's consciousness and during the course of Sueda trying to figure out what's going on trying to get help Kelly is slipping away so with that David relinquishes control of his body to her so she can get out of the darkness into the light so to speak with controlling his body and during that she lets off the shackles understanding what the body or what the nanotechnology allows them to do and she ultimately goes to confront Dr. Chang who was the one who turned him down for the grant told him that it was too dangerous but also also was the one that 
tried to have them killed it resulted in this whole kerfuffle anyway and from there we discover that him and his group of immortals find david in as a threat as we knew this already and they call themselves the immutables which i think is a stupid name but oh well so you have this and even with this sort of pantheon of immortals that are in the cloud they are talking to david slash kelly and explaining their presence and what the dangers of the technology could be on the world not just with them but it ultimately there's infighting there there's disagreements with what they should do with david how they should handle it but then toward the end you now have another faction that comes into play against the immutable so that's where it ends off i'm really interesting seeing how this story really plays out and i have to tell you the art by Corey fam is just is really great i love how the design of the i'll just say duo character with the sort of goldish i love how that is utilized really to accentuate the nanotechnology powers and i'm, I'm sure it's not just the art that's also the colorist as well and what uh chris is doing with the color and how he's taking the pencils and inks by Corey and scott and really using color to accentuate them as well so the art is just really cool really great i'm digging the story i don't know how long this uh, series is lasting i know it's not a proper milestone book but the milestone season ones have gone six issues so i'm not sure if this is another six issue season one sort of deal or if this is a normal ongoing story but i am very much looking forward to seeing how this story comes to a head and then ultimately comes to a close so that's my take on duo number three from dc comics earth m so there's no star trek this week i think i'm gonna pause trekking out for a little bit while i'm enjoying lower decks for me it's not a whole lot to talk about it's fun it's interesting it's an enjoyable show and one i'm continuing to watch but it's not one at least for me that really lends to a deep character story analysis so i'm going to be pausing on that unless i decide to get into discovery if i do you guys will be the first ones to find out but let's talk about some start wars in the interim now i alluded to earlier that i started watching obi-wan and at the time of this recording i've watched episodes one through three i have to tell you it is so wonderful seeing ian mcgregor back as obi-wan it is it's hard to believe that he played that character in 1999 for the first time it is really hard to believe it's been 23 years do i have my math right yeah it's been 23 years since he first played that character i was 21 because i believe i believe the attack of the clones came out after my birthday might be before so i might have been 20 so anyway i saw attack of the clones not attack of the clones oh goodness gracious episode one uh attack of the clones episode two but i saw episode one four times in the theater that summer yeah it was star wars it was in a big screen it's all that mattered anywho it's hard to believe it's been that long uh since he started playing the character and the fact that they brought him back for this uh i i will i will say this and and this is sometime past the series debut this is sometime past since all of the the 
kerfuffle and the hatefulness toward the uh, young woman who's playing the third sister. I will say this. I don't understand people. I don't understand people at all. I don't understand why her race was ever brought into anything with regards to her character and her portrayal. I don't like her character. It has nothing to do with her being black. <laughs> it may have to do with uh, how she's acted some of the parts, how it was written. It's, it's a lot of things that plays into me not having a... And it's not a, oh, she's playing a character where I like her. No, I just... I think so far her character and how it's portrayed is a weak link in the series personally speaking it has nothing to do with her her ethnicity or her being a female if it was a dude and it was the same thing i feel the exact same way so to get that out of the way i've enjoyed this series i enjoy seeing the underbelly of star wars i feel as though this actually and, and again i'm not toward the end of it but with this interaction with Leia that Obi-Wan has and again spoilers too late even without seeing the rest of the series I understand now why she would reach out to Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine in A New Hope totally get that there has to be some knowledge and relationship there for her to reach out to him and that makes total sense now to me and I love how that story gap so to speak was filled or explained by the interactions in this series I am enjoying just Ian McGregor in general I will say this though about the Sith I don't understand how the Sith survive if everybody's backstabbing everybody to to get their comeuppance I don't understand how they function. I don't understand how you can literally dominate the galaxy under the guise of the galactic benevolent galactic empire. But you are steady conniving and backstabbing or front stabbing in some cases literally for position. I don't understand how you function and how you have an organized structure that can dominate the galaxy when that is the sort of culture you breed. I don't get that at all. But that's just me. I know it's fiction, but that's just me. Because frankly, if I was a Sith Lord, I'd be fearful of having an apprentice because I knew one day that apprentice would try to kill my ass. Like, what's the point? I want to live. I want to get my power. Why am I going to train you to surpass me and then kill me and take my spot? Nah, mm -mm. self-preservation should be a number one goal of Sith and they suck at it straight up, in my opinion. I am really enjoying the sort of i really enjoy the sort of underground railroadish nature of uh the resistance and smuggling jedis out i am enjoying that you're seeing those repercussions of order 66 now now mind you i haven't watched any of the series so i haven't watched rebels or anything like that or resistance where you saw a lot of uh that world of star wars post order 66 in what happened to the Jedi. I am liking what, what I'm seeing here and it's new and fresh to me. So I'm definitely enjoying that all in all. And I know that people have mixed reviews about it as a whole series and I'm not quite there yet. But with what I've seen with episodes one through three, I enjoy it. Is it great? No. Is it good TV? Is it good Star Wars? Yes, it is. And that is exactly where I'll leave that in Obi-Wan uh, episodes one through three. All right, so let's leave a galaxy far, far away and come back a little bit closer to Earth. In this case, we're talking about, of course, fragrances. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of the show where we talk about the fragrance of the week. Now, this fragrance comes from a house that I have had nothing but praises to sing about. Now, this could be a couple houses, so let me be more 
explicit. So the house in question is none other than Authenticity Parfum. And they were so gracious to send me some samples of two of their fragrances that I hadn't smelled before. In this case, they sent me Clean Musk and Tobacco Boss. And I have worn Clean Musk and let me tell you about this. The notes are lime bergamot sandalwood and white musk it is exactly what it says it is it is a clean musk now one of the things that i'm always hesitant about musk or musky fragrances is that they in my opinion and in my experience tend to be a bit overpowering uh, not just overpowering from the context of they just project and they drown everybody out and they could choke people out especially if you have too much but also the other notes that are found within the fragrance tend to be overshadowed because of the intensity of the musk this is certainly not the case with this one one of the things i really love about it is that mix of the freshness really with the lime and the bergamot the sandalwood as well it creates a a freshness to the and again the white musk isn't super heavy but it's heavy enough that is pronounced but it's morphed and transformed into something fresh and something light and something clean as the label implies with the additions of the lime and the bergamot and the sandwich particularly the lime itself i really get that hint of lime uh, throughout this fragrance and how it really sort of shapes that musk into something just a bit different than what you would think it would be it is also one that i'm not afraid of over spraying and choking someone out because of some musk which is really amazing surprising for me uh with that it is one that i I could wear it's definitely something you can wear to the office is not super duper strong as far as overpowering you do get a nice little scent bubble as with all authenticity perfumes I get 12 hours but I just get about 12 hours with this one uh, for the most part this isn't as long of lasting of as with some of the other ones I've tried from at least with my first first wearing of this but I definitely got to 12 hours as advertised so you know that's that's something to say when I'm like I'm disappointed that it doesn't last past 12 hours but it definitely lasts 12 hours as advertised so I've, I've always been impressed with authenticity perfumes clean musk is no different i i i had to stop myself from wearing this again this week because i just wanted to wear it again because it was it was so cool of a fragrance to wear for me so that's my take on clean musk from authenticity perfumes and of course what i am wearing today i put on grapefruit vetiver from kirk Elliot, I love the earthiness and the sexiness of it. Uh, it's a super duper hot day, so I wanted something that was very invigorating and somewhat refreshing. Now, this isn't an aquatic fragrance that you would think for something as refreshing on a super duper Hades armpit hot day, but that grapefruit note in the vetiver really does something to my olfactory where it's invigorating, it's refreshing, and then especially as it gets down during the course of the day, the vetiver is like a soapy vetiver, so you get that clean sort of soapiness with the grapefruit 
and then during the course of the day for me it switches to that grassy vetiver and as it becomes a bit more earthy and I get more of the rose and the tea and the jasmine that are involved in the note breakdown as well so that's what I'm wearing today grapefruit vetiver from Kirk Elliott and that's going to do it for another edition of the Sartorio and Geek podcast by Webster Style where we talk about bow ties comic books and everything in between make sure you catch me every week on Nerds Rule the World with my man Brian Saff doing the NRW checkpoint where we talk about this week's latest and greatest releases in video games make sure you also check me out on social media on Instagram you can find me at Sartorian Geek and Webster Style on Twitter you can find me at Webster Style and of course on TikTok where all the cool kids are you can find me at underscore Webster Style make sure you also find anything and anything anything and everything that is Webster Style at WebsterStyle.com we have a whole host of new content from stuff from NRW as well as other interviews that we've had recently so be sure to check them out also drop me an email at info at webstyle.com excuse me webstylemagazine.com if you have any comments criticisms questions let me know reach out I'm always here and thank you again for your listening ear remember stay safe out there and be blessed Tuesday had to be Bowtie Thursday. Had to be White Wednesday. Uh, I don't. Well, I know last time. Well, I wore polka dot. You didn't. Wear, oh, I miss million them heels killing them, but I'm sure it's a Thursday. Bowtie Thursday. Pasta cream in your heels looking sharp. They acting like you don't know the rules up in the workplace. Must I remind you it was till on your birthday? Don't get me wrong, I think we killed in the birthdays. And you picked the hell of fit for the church day. Let's say you picked the wrist game for it. Kill it. Now you got the full fill of bras that you purchase. Pick a color scheme that can match the very corset. Get the Smoking hot, rocking this pen so thin. Tie hairline, looking like a stencil. Pimp, no lie, I'm sharper than the utensil. And stroke, mental, plain dang, homie. I was hoping we could walk out with that bang, bang, honey. See them plain James, honey. Them lame friends, funny. We tell it, bit it crazy like that thing came on me. Hey, mommy. Look a lady, main thing, want me on the scene. Fit popping like a main vein, running blood color, lips smashing with the hand. Clutch money, holding bag, kind of funny. Can you tell me what's the price I got the range? Rover. Hang on me, when we walking, looking Gucci like that thing sprayed on me. Walking with a limp like an ankle sprang on me. Yeah, I rocked the cardigan. She don't really want me because no one man should have all that style. Take it out, clothes on the floor, pass it. No one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it up and let me see what's under them scenes. No one man should have all that style. Take it out, clothes on the floor, pass it. No one girl should fit it all in them
flawless styling. Take it off, clothes on the floor piling. No one girl should fit it all in them jeans. So take it off and let me see what's under them scenes. Oh, you want to? Oh, I completely read that wrong. <laughs>